Welcome to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur show with me, Brenda Hector. I'm a business growth specialist helping business owners to develop themselves and grow their businesses so they can achieve their goals and enjoy the lifestyle they dream of. I'm also on a mission to revolutionise the entrepreneurial landscape for women in business. In every podcast episode, I interview someone who has an inspiring story or some great advice for women aiming to start or scale their businesses. If you're new to the show, take a moment to subscribe and please check out the previous ones after listening to this. We've got an awesome community on Facebook. Just search for Scale Her Up and join in. Welcome to the Scale Her Up podcast, Judith. Thank you. Let's let's start with a, a quick introduction to your business journey. Tell us a, a, your story briefly. So I started Thought Malloy uh, McCulloch, Thought Malloy as it was then, when I was 24. So I, I did a business degree at university, then went into recruitment and I was looking at various graduate jobs in sales and marketing and, and sort of fell into recruitment. And actually my dad had a recru- recruitment company and so he suggested, it wasn't his core business, but he suggested that I go and work in a recruitment company just to see what it was like. And, and if I liked it, then there was a possibility of perhaps coming back and working in the business that he had bought. He'd bought a, a recruitment company in distress. So I went and did that and joined PLC, National Recruitment Company, worked there for a couple of years. And during that time, I met Karen Malloy who obviously became my business partner. She was the manager of the office in Aberdeen. So we opened the office in Aberdeen and just got, got on so well. And it was such an exciting time because it was a brand new startup office and we could only, we could only really take things forward that the sort of 12 months into that relationship, I said, look, let's, you know, my, I'm thinking about perhaps doing something on my own. Would you be up for doing something like that? And I, I'm sort of the... the the optimist and the risk, the risk taker. No, she's not that she's not an optimist, um, but I'm more, more, more of the risk taker. And she said, wow, you sneaky, you sly devil. Yeah, let's, let's, let's start talking about it and let's, let's give it a go. So we, we then started Thought Malloy McCulloch in 1997, when I was 24. And so we've, we've just built it from there. We started off in accountancy and finance, and then we've, we've sort of since expanded into different disciplines and, um, um, yeah, and here we are today. Wow, that's great. You mentioned your your dad was in business. So is that entrepreneurial spirit? Is that a family thing? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I he was he was wholly supportive actually, and and yeah, he was. You know, he as kids, it was my myself and my brother. You know, he would take us, and he had a, a completely different business to this. It's a steel and timber business. It was a demolition business, but he would take us to see different jobs that he was pricing and he just talked to would talk to us about his career journey and some of the things that he'd done and and a really candid way and I just found it fascinating and he's he's a charismatic character so it was I just loved to hear the stories and and some of his kind of setbacks it wasn't smooth sailing for him and he's very much a a self-made man the only person in his family to to sort of break away from from where they were all where where he was born and and move away from the area and set up his own business and you know, he he didn't go to university or anything like that but he was really encouraging and he encouraged both my brother and I to start to start to do our own thing ultimately so that it was that was definitely a, a positive influence sounds like you had a great role model there i think the the research shows that a lot of people don't 
go into business because they don't have the role models, they don't see that pathway. So it sounds like you had a great role model there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's taken me a long time to to appreciate that because because it was, you know, we were we were encouraged as kids. It was there would be no yeah there was there was never any I, di- I didn't see any glass ceiling I didn't see any boundaries and my peers were very go-getting and and so yeah I didn't I didn't have any I didn't I didn't see I didn't see the why not yeah Excellent. yeah I like that I like that I like that quote actually I didn't see the why not <laughs> yeah but if you don't see it then it won't hold you back yeah, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we've been talking a lot actually recently about, about that girl power era, about the Spice Girls and the sort of Ladette culture that I, that, 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 I don't know if I was talking to you about it last time we spoke, but just about that, you know, it's, it's so fascinating to me that, that that was, that was how, is that, is that how feminism, is that how we, our feminism manifested itself at the time? in that kind of girl power but trying to keep up when actually that's not right at all <laughs> why should we try and keep up but I did I was definitely quite quite feisty and quite yeah un, unfettered in my in my ambition absolutely and I went to, I went to interestingly again I went to a, an all-girls school and it was a convent and and I've I've whilst I've kept in touch with my my school friends they're we're geographically spread but I do think there's something you know we've reconnected through through lockdown it just made those you know we had a few Fridays where we you know get together on a a zoom call and yeah I mean I I left school I just thought I was out to conquer the world and 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 that death that energy definitely came from that group that strong group of 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 women around me and and my family and my familial background and my upbringing of, of yeah whatever you want you can you can go and get it you mentioned the girls school so when we were talking we were talking last week about the gender balance in some of the the subjects that that I experienced when I was in school and that my daughters are experiencing as well but not not seeing that in a girls school I would imagine that's a positive as well yeah 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 I suppose so I suppose so and again when I look back and I, I don't know rightly or wrongly it's just a it's just an observation is that we we did have male teachers not many they were in the minority and one of the extracurricular clubs was how to uh, was car maintenance or engine and maintenance it was run by the physics teacher but I didn't I'm not particularly scientifically minded and I don't remember I don't think I did actually did that the, that that the, the extracurricular club but but yeah what a, you know again school the whole school ethos was there's no there was no there was no boundaries and you just did whatever you wanted to do if it was science then you know crack on and do science but yeah again no no restrictions there and no thought of yeah no not a lot of career input but and and now I see there's so much positive role modeling going on and so many inspirational speakers and you know and that and that sort of positive role modeling but we didn't yeah we didn't there wasn't we didn't really we didn't have it back then but it didn't stop any of the girls going on to do what they wanted to do the, the I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it's a bad thing the absence of the unconscious bias that there will be in a mixed school perhaps yeah 
Yeah. So I know that you're quite a champion for women in business and uh, supporting uh, females in the workplace and everything. What is it that bothers you most? I think I think it would be, and it's it's becoming it's it's you know it's it's spoken about a lot now, but definitely the imposter syndrome. And I think that yeah, that balance is still is still it's not there yet, is it? Because I, I suppose it's 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 what I'm trying to say. Women who are so capable and have enjoyed such successful careers and yet don't feel that they are they've got a place at the boardroom table for whatever reason that they you know that they don't have the experience or they, they don't aspire to those those c-suite positions because they 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 don't feel that they've got the skill set or the experience to get there I think that's that concerns me it's like why are they not why do they not have that confidence I think the the other stuff is is actually still that the negative the negative connotations that that are associated with women in business, so being pushy or um, aggressive or being over emotional. I think those things because you still know that amongst our peer group, I put you in that that there is you know there is still that perception and and it's really disappointing and especially when I experience it in my social group with with people who I feel I've grown up with over the last 20 years to still come across that male bias and they and and yet they they perceive themselves to be progressive I find that I find that difficult and and even even closer to home during lockdown where a lot of women had to step up and take over the caring role step into that caring role whether it's through Home, the homeschooling and obviously if your children were younger that I find difficult to to I find that frustrating yeah so let's go back you mentioned imposter syndrome is that something that, that you feel that yourself or Karen suffered from at any time <laughs> during your during your, your business career <laughs> I could never articulate it as imposter syndrome uh, back in the day but I think more so actually as a young, as a young woman, as a sort of 24, 25 year old with, with very little experience of working, of working or not of working because I've worked since I was 15, but of working in a professional environment. And then as we, as we grew and expanded pretty quickly when Thought Malloy started, having to manage other people that when I had really had no experience of management and that kind of sort of you know fake it till you make it type type feeling in my head so yes in that respect you know I'd sort of bluff my way through a few management situations and I'm sure that that many of my colleagues who some of us I'm still in contact with and some who still work for us would definitely agree with that that that, you know I, I think that that I've grown up in that respect and that that I, I've less imposter syndrome now because I'm more comfortable with who I am and what my management style, what my communication style is. So yes, in that respect, and also going to networking events where often you're, you, you, I mean, you're always in the minority or less so now. But but for a long time, I was a a young woman and well, young and and a woman in a, in a, in very male dominated rooms. So 
but that actually I didn't I never had a, I didn't I don't I think I had imposter syndrome because of that because actually I quite enjoyed the the novelty of it and you definitely stood out and I've got curly hair so I, I'm used to standing out anyway so that didn't really I just I sort of thrived on that and turned it to my advantage and I was I I was there to learn and I love to listen to other people's stories and to um, listen to their business journeys and in recruitment I'm I, you know I I love that that's what we're here to ask the questions so I'd sort of go into 20 question mode and just find out and learn from it so I, I didn't I didn't I don't think I it wasn't imposter syndrome because I wasn't I was never I was intimidated but I wasn't I didn't feel I didn't have a right to be there good good I'm imagining you as this 20 something ladette going into into business and everything and going yeah I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this and and everything but then as as you become more experienced you see others really suffering from imposter syndrome then yeah I don't know if I see it i I see, I see glimpses of it. So I'll, I'll give you an example of a lady when I was talking before about, you know, aspiring to those boardroom positions. So a woman who is a, is a you know, qualified accountant. So CA, CA by training, you know, working within corporate finance and working, supporting board strategic decisions on a global basis. And, and I said, oh, are you on the board? Oh no 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 no! I'm not on the board, but that you know, that's my aspiration. Is is maybe maybe in maybe in a few years' time? But why? You've had you've had twenty years of experience. Why do why do you need to wait a few more years? So sort of glimpses of that where people think, oh no, I couldn't, I'm not. But then a brilliant conversation with a lady last week who's a serial non-exec and has sat on different boards, really diverse with really diverse sectors and organisations, and some of which she had no understanding for, and a really a really candid discussion about. Actually, yeah, I hadn't got a clue what the, the technology that they were talking about. I, I didn't understand it, but I, I still had, I knew she, she's also a CA, but just had that professional qualification and confidence and common sense to, to actually be able to assess the situations that were being put in front of her in a board situation and to give, to, to, to give a sensible, you know, to, to provide sensible input. I'm just thinking, I, jo- I was on the board of Corniston a few years ago, and Adele, Adele um, asked me to join and I, I, you know, that's a bit overwhelming because you're like, oh, wow, Corniston's a m- massive organisation. Back then it was 30 million pound turnover. And I was like, I'm not sure what I can bring to the table. And, and, and you learn very quickly that actually, it's great that I've had that experience because it's great to go and, and just ask the daft lassie questions or just to sit there. And you always have got an input. You've all, you always have got an opinion on, on what's being discussed because of your, or, or, you know, in my case, whether it's part of my network or how we've approached the situation. So you go through a you go through that startup journey and you experience all aspects of building a company. So you have got insight into a lot of things, albeit on a much smaller scale than a, a thirty million pound company. So yeah, I, I think I've 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 got I've I, it, that's been a great experience to go through because to get to eradicate any imposter syndrome that I might have. But that said, if I, you know, if I was going to go and, and it would still be intimidating to go and join the board of a big corporate, of course it would, because I haven't worked in that environment. So but I'm always up for challenge. And I like to, I love, I thrive on challenge and I love to put myself out of my comfort zone and to, because that's the way you learn. 
and I'm a big believer in never stop learning. I would totally, totally agree with that. I'm just thinking to to wrap up on the, the imposter syndrome thing. What advice do you have for someone who is feeling intimidated, feeling like holding herself back because somebody's going to find out about them? What advice, you know, somebody's going to find out that they're they're in this high position that they f- they feel that they're not not worthy of. What what what? Yeah, you say and, I, and I think as you know, again, I, I was speaking to another woman actually who was in a similar situation who had been invited to join a board and said, "I'm not sure what I can bring. I don't know what you." And and the, and and the person that she was speaking to had said, "What we." It's not almost. I'm paraphrasing, but like, don't don't insult me by thinking that I haven't done my research and that I that I don't know what what I'm getting into and that's exactly why you know we've 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 gone through a, a thought process here and that's why we want you to join the board we've we've done our research so so I think you'd be people know why you you you, you wouldn't be in a role if you didn't deserve to be there so you always deserve a, a role at the table and I think it's okay again listening to listening to the the OGTC thing recently with Colette and the other senior women in the energy sector just talking about actually some of the it's okay to go and have a cry in the loo from time to time and and I think women need to show sometimes need to show more vulnerability we put that brave face on things because in that is it is it does it hark back to the ladder culture where you have to keep up with the men so you put that brave face on things but I think sometimes it's okay to say I actually don't know that and I'd love to find out or yes I'd love to join the board however I think I might like I might like to go on a course or or to find a mentor always find a mentor I'm a big believer in that as well find somebody who who you can you can have that conversation who can who can talk you up and talk you into into things but yeah feel the fear and do it anyway absolutely um, yeah yeah definitely. and I, I guess in recruitment you'll you'll see this at all levels through business not just the the senior levels there will be people looking for jobs that are sort of selling themselves short of their capabilities as well yeah absolutely I'm always the one I always get into trouble from my fellow directors for being the one at the Christmas party who talks people out of a job here because I'm always saying they should go and oh you're really you're interested in that well you should definitely go you should definitely pursue that you know you want to be a polo player oh you want to be a marine biologist well how are we going to get you that job I can't, you know <laughs> I, I think oh yeah I do, I do think that and you do see it and I see it you know again recently great examples of two women who friends of mine who hadn't worked one hadn't worked for 16 years since she had she, uh, children and the other one hadn't worked for not for not as probably I don't know 10 years possibly and just encouraging them they they both got to a, a stage where their children were old enough that they actually wanted to go back into you know they wanted they wanted to go back into work and just talking them through that process and 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 talking them up to it and what and they both got offered jobs really quickly in different sectors and uh, and one of them said oh I'm terrified (laughs) I haven't worked for 16 years and I mean the internet was hardly we hardly had an internet when I was last in 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 this role I said you're going to be absolutely fine you've got a phenomenal network phone phone your network 
and people will help you. Ask for help and they will give you. And it was in it was in marketing and PR. I'm trying to be careful because she'll know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm trying to hold it back. But she's marketing and PR. And, and, and she has got a phenomenal network. And she said, oh, yeah, my old boss is head of a, a national radio station. I went, well, why don't I call them for starters? And, and, and through that, and I caught up with her sort of after a few weeks and said, do you feel, how do you feel now? you know she said well everybody was really helpful and I put her in touch with our we we got her the job we got both of them the job which I'm so pleased about one's part-time I'm not sure the other one might be part-time as well but and I said how do you feel now and she said oh yeah I am absolutely I'm all over it I've learned so much and I said do you feel that you can do the job and she went absolutely I absolutely can and and that and she's She'd be six weeks in by that point, having not worked for 16 years, which I just think is, and having been really intimidated before she started. So I, I, do, I love that. I think that's just fantastic. And what a brilliant message to anybody who's looking at that, who's, who's thinking about going back to work. So you see, you know, lots of, again, see lots of women socially who are, who are in a similar situation and who are really qualified before they're still really qualified they were you know they were, they were you know in in a in a vocational role before they had children but yet downgrade themselves to oh I'm just going I, I'll just do whatever you know just to just to get back into the to, to the to the workforce I'm like no you should use your skill set yeah. you should do this or you should do that and it's it, it's it's difficult and I'm not I don't yeah I don't mean to demean any roles in any way but I do believe that you've got whatever skills you've got or whatever experience you've got you should definitely capitalize on that and you never lose them you know Jim Rohn if listeners or yourself haven't heard of Jim Rohn look up some of the Jim Rohn books amazing inspirational um, business speaker who sadly is no longer with us but a very famous quote from him is to work harder on yourself than you do on your job because you will move on from your job or the skills that you develop and the, you know, the traits that you develop in yourself will be with you wherever you go. And yeah. it might be 16 years ago that you used them, but you still have those skills. And I love that uh, I was watching Simon Sinek last week and uh, or just caught something on LinkedIn. And it was about what's your, about uh, people who'd been made redundant and, uh, or who had retired and lost their sense of purpose because their purpose was was so tied integral to their to their job and he was saying absolutely not you know your purpose is doesn't matter what your job is your purpose you you will have a purpose in life once you determine what that is then you you'll you'll get your mojo back or you'll you'll find your mojo regardless of what you're doing and i i thought yeah that is that is cool and i i was talking to somebody about it yesterday who'd retired a couple of years ago and ha- having had a 30-year career with the organization and he said his he was given some coaching as he was coming to the end of of as, as a preparation for retirement and he said the last three sessions were spent in terms of identifying what his purpose was and he said that was hugely beneficial to to then to to what he's gone on to do now working as a consultant and he's so He's so energized and excited about the projects that he's involved in at the moment. And that's, again, that was brilliant to see because people, 
you know, at the other end of the scale, people go into retirement and are completely lost. And that my dad was actually having been, you know, this great kind of inspiration to us, went into retirement, retired, you know, in his late fifties, and and was lost, was lost for a while because he didn't he didn't have that project uh, yeah. to focus on. Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree about the the purpose for the people thinking of starting a business or, you know, looking at scaling their business, knowing their purpose and the, their business purpose makes it so much easier to to make the decisions and to to take the leaps of faith, knowing that there's a, a real benefit to what you're doing. Yeah. 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 I wanted to ask you, you mentioned about your friend who just started back at work and you were recommending that she'd reach out to her network. I think that's such a valuable piece of advice for, for especially for people in business to look at their existing network and to expand, you know, to increase their, their network. I mean, is, is that something that, that that's worked well for you through the years? The... yeah definitely and I think I think when we started we there's no LinkedIn obviously or anything like that and so and what I'm saying to her to reach out to her network I don't actually know what presence she had on LinkedIn it's it was through her social network so she's a mum at school and obviously knows lots of people in lots of different sectors and so yeah you don't have to it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be the it doesn't have to be a, the business network it, it's so we you know, we were Karen's father-in-law was an accountant. My dad obviously had his own business. Mike, Karen's husband, is a pilot, and we we bank with the same bank that we always have done because Mike took the bank manager learning to he was learning to fly small aircraft, and Mike was the 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 training pilot. And through that, where we'd struggled as two young women trading around the high street bank, saying, "Could you give us nothing? We 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 wanted about." A ten thousand pound overdraft. I mean, it was, it was nothing, and really struggled to get any traction. And Mike took the bank manager flying, and I don't think it was because he was in a life-threatening situation. But he he said yes. He said, "Oh, I mean, yes, yeah, send them along. I'll 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 have a chat to them." So I think it's it's is that random network of 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 who's helpful and not being shy to ask for advice and help. And again, I think that was helped by as we were funded or we were given a loan. From the Prince's Scottish Youth Business Trust as it was then and that is their ethos very much their ethos so when you go through the funding panel which is it's it's still going it's just it's like it's changed slightly that you had they would put a panel of experts on and they would try and get people that would potentially be able to give you some free advice so possibly a, a, a lawyer or a solicitor or an accountant or a bank manager would be sitting on the panel and as much as they were grilling you and just to test the robustness of your business plan and make sure you were going to pay the loan back, it was also an opportunity for you then to say, to make those connections, be able to pick up the phone and say, oh, listen, we've got, could you just help us? We're, we're trying to sign the lease of this, this office or do, do you have any advice or would you mind having a quick look at it? So, so I, yeah, I think, I think using your network and LinkedIn makes it so fantastically easy is definitely, is definitely something I'd recommend and asking, asking for help. Absolutely. You can use LinkedIn to see who the people that you know are connected to and yeah. ask for introductions to their their contacts. While but you there's were... so much more help now. There's so much more help available to, to, to startups than there ever has been. And I spent a brilliant hour this morning with Zoe Evans from FFS, 
which is just a brilliant name, which is the the female founders. I don't squad. actually know what the S stands for. Is it squad? Squad. I female think. founders squad. And just, you know, the resource that she's, the resources that she's putting together for female tech founders is awesome. And the, and the community is, is fantastic. So I think there is, there are so many resources available for startups and particularly for women's female startups is becoming more prevalent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Having said that, she would she, you know, do interview her because she, the stats for investment are horrendous. Yes. Into female businesses or into, into female businesses from ethnic minorities are even worse. So Access to funding is, is one of the main challenges that women faced in starting and scaling up their business, for sure. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking I'm going to tell a little story myself here I've got a client who's in the communications business so he's selling yeah communications to to businesses and he's just started up and he's a dad with a a primary school kid and one of his uh, focuses is to take his son to school his his target is to do the school run a couple of whatever two or three times a week and to talk to people that he meets in the playground and tell them about what he does. Isn't that interesting that the the mums are probably thinking, I don't, you know, I I just do the school run. And he's wanting to use the school run as a means of expanding his network. So I think it's a flip side, what we might be seeing as women, as as mothers, is just something that we have to do, but actually it's an opportunity there for, for expanding your network as well. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot, a lot of stuff gets done at the school gates, though, isn't there? Or talked about. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you talked about the challenges of getting funding um, for yourselves and, and, and the interesting ways that that came about. How did you manage to, to build and scale Thorpe Malloy? It just, it, 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 it took off so quickly. I don't, and it wasn't because we, you know, we, we were, we, we, obviously, you know, we worked, we set out and we wanted to be different to our former employers and to the rest of the competition. And I, you know, I'm stupid, loads of stupid little stories about the stuff that we did. So if you, if you think that accountants like blue, because blue means you're in, you know, historically, if you're looking at printed bank statements, that's probably still, or blue or black, you're in the black, you, you know, you're in, you're in in credit whereas we 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 started out and all our literature was red bright red just to be different to stand out and once we started somebody pointed out probably a professional advisor said oh red really accountants don't really like red and it was like oh god (laughs) so yeah everything by that point it's it's a thousand pounds spent on hard copy print printed stuff so you know lots of Lots of learning, but it really, it really, we were talking about being different. We just wanted to, just to, just to, to get on. And so we worked six days a week. We worked really long hours. We wanted to be, you know, available when other, when our competition, when our competitors weren't. We wanted people to, 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 it's really simple things, but they still stand today. But we just wanted to exceed expectation and, and for people to come back and for people to talk about us in a positive way and to recommend us because we, we understood that, that personal recommendation and personal referrals the, is, the, is the strongest um, form of marketing and building your client base. So we, we, we just really put the hours in and we 
every job that we filled, we we made sure we did a you know a fantastic job for them and the customer service was sort of second to none and, and and things it just expanded really quickly so I think in the first year we were forecasting a £20,000 loss and we turned over God, taking me back now something like I think it was £300,000 so it, it you know it just went from there and then the second year we turned over half a million pounds and then by year five we were turning over a million quid so it, it just it moved pretty quickly we built it by just bringing good people on board and it doesn't always work and but we were really fortunate in that our managing director is Amanda McCulloch joined us very early on as a raw graduate and just was ambitious and progressed up um, through the ranks and just would push and push and push and say what else do you want me to do? Am I on track for, for uh, my promotion? What else can I do? How can I, what can I do to get there? And that was just inherent in her. And I, there are a few people like that, but, but she was really proactive in that sense. And she's the most understated, modest woman, you know, if anybody knows her, she's not pushy in any way, but, but she just had that sort of inner grit that, that she just wanted to, she just wanted to get on. So, so a few key people that kind of helped us build and scale and just whenever we had good people, we wanted to retain them. So we, we would say, you know, what, what, how can we facilitate your career progression or your career aspirations? And our engineering specialism, for example, was born out of that. But somebody who said, right, okay, I've, I, I've, I've done all I can here and I'd actually like to try something else. And I'm really interested in setting up a new specialism. We give me the opportunity to do that. So just, just responding to the people that we had in the business and the opportunities that we were given and, and also getting some external input from non-execs as you were if you like who who really helped us to clarify our thought and sat in on you know strategic level and said and challenged our our ambition and 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 helped us in that respect to make some pretty big decisions actually so I would say yeah but all but from a financial point of view if if that that's what you're asking. You've had a very long answer. We've, we, it's, we've, we've all, it's all been through sort of organic, organic growth financially. I'm just reflecting on. It's not a surprise that the recruitment consultant business has grown through having the right people. Yeah, it's important to have the right people on board. It is. Yeah, it is important, and that's and you and and we 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 have fantastic retention rates with and when people you know the people that we bring in stay for a long time most of them stay for a long time but you know we don't always get it right <laughs> or we're not always you know people it's great to see people move on though and do and do their own thing or do something different I think and recruitment is a brilliant foundation you know for seeing lots of other industries lots of other companies how other people do it and and seeing spotting the next opportunity if that if if that's what you want to do in in the long term so it's a good it's a good grounding for business in some respect people never choose recruitment they just sort of fall into it really yeah <laughs> did you choose you chose it well i chose it I, to a degree i really wanted to go work for mars if i'm honest get onto the graduate place and no i didn't i uh i would have loved i mean i worked for a big but that is one of, my, one of my sort of regrets is that I worked for, you know, a national recruitment firm 
and it was amazing to see the systems and the processes but I would have loved to have worked for for a big corporate just to just to experience that the good and the bad just to I just love the you know the, the scale of their processes and their systems and so I always think is is you know is phenomenal so yeah I think yeah. yeah clearly you didn't get onto the program but you've uh, it was it was the right the right thing look at what you've built yeah it was a, yeah and it was the right thing for me because I wanted to start my own company so recruitment was a means to me running my own company and and actually what happened was my dad had, had bought this a recruitment company in distress with two offices in the northeast of England and as I said the whole the, the, he sort of suggested that I went and learned the profession learned my trade and then went back to run that but I was I whilst I started in Yorkshire I got relocated to Aberdeen with with them and and once we once Karen and I met and we were running the Aberdeen office there didn't seem to be you know I sort of remember phoning him and saying actually there's, dad there's no point in me coming back to Darlington or to Leeds because I don't know the market there it would take me well you know I've been here for a year I've been here for for 15 months I it, it there's no point in me going back if I go back it's going to take the same time to 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 build up again whereas we are really motoring here in in Aberdeen so if we were going to do anything it would make sense to do it here because I've got a good feel for the market and obviously met Karen and, and I think we, we would work well together so so yeah so going into recruitment was really a means to it was a, a, a vehicle or a mechanism to to running to doing it for myself and I unfortunately I think recruitment consultants are much maligned you know we are they, they are it's there are low barriers to entry and and again I and that's something that I'm that we've always been conscious of and we've always tried to promote that professional image and that effort those ethical standards and you know we've governed by the REC and we've been members ever since we started and to you know to promote the best practice across whether in recruitment but also in employment or in HR practices so I do I do subscribe to that but it is difficult because of, because of the low barriers to entry there are a lot of there are a lot of people in the market and I, I guess well you know in, in Aberdeen here and I guess you know ar around the country as well when the market goes up and down the 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 recruitment market is easier and harder with the transitions of the market how do you ride that out how have you you coped with some of the big slumps in Aberdeen yeah no it's, I mean it's there's been some dark days for sure. I think to the last downturn, having to make people redundant was some of the hardest, the hardest things I've ever had to do in my business career. And, you know, I, 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 I cried and they were comforting me, which was awful because it was like, this is ridiculous. This is, you know, this is not about me. It's about you. And it's, and it's a, it's a horrible, horrible situation to be in. So yeah, there are, it is a, it is a cycle, but then, you know, look what's happened to us all over the past 12 months and how we're all, we're all, you know, prey to the, to, to the macroeconomic and factors out with our control, not just economic, but so, yeah, I think it's, it, it's been a real leveler the last 12 months because we've, everybody's been in the same situation that we haven't that we haven't been in previously and I think and that's been you know that's been interesting so meeting people meeting people during lockdown you know if you're out and about and getting a coffee whatever I just think there's been a level of candor that's actually been quite refreshing 
So to go back to that fake it till you make it, it you know, that, that, that level of bravado is gone and people are like, yeah, actually I'm having a really tough time and I, I don't know if my business will survive or, or actually we're bucking the trend and, and we've, we've pivoted and we've moved online and it's all been, it's, it's fantastic. What a, what a fantastic success story. We've, we've seized the opportunity. But I think there's definitely, there's been a candor there where people are, you know, it's actually like, yeah, it's been really tough and, and, and that's okay. Everybody can, everybody can, admit to that I've, I've seen it the other way actually where I've seen people that have been doing well not wanted to tell been people embarrassed yeah. yeah 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 I, I mean yeah it's a that's a shame because I understand I, I understand that reticence as well because you don't want to be crowing in people's faces but but if you have done well and you've seized also, the opportunity good on you I, I want people to know that it's not all doom and gloom that there you know there are there are success stories out of out of a difficult there's some fantastic success stories the one brilliant woman you interviewed us didn't you Kate Stott Kate Stott um, and Beauty Booker she's, she's booked yes. to be interviewed in a week or so's time yes oh she's well I won't spoil it but she's got a brilliant yeah she got a brilliant story about about triumphing through the adversity of lockdown and Support, and supporting yeah. industry that are yeah. been really badly affected by by all of the the pandemic yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. definitely so you're, you're aware that the, the purpose of the the scale her up podcast is to help women to start and scale their businesses and one day get to be on a par with the numbers of men that are starting and scaling businesses what what can we do to bring about the change to help women to to start and scale their businesses and uh, get get on a par with men, other than going back to being ladettes again? <laughs> no, don't don't do that. What can we do? I think there's lots of there's lots of I think I think the kind of stuff that Zoe's doing with the FFS stuff and the stuff that that OGTC are doing in terms of their, their they've got an ideas club. Um, which I'm chairing an event in June with an all-female panel of, and they're trying to encourage, OGTC are trying to encourage women with, with, with ideas to apply for the TechX cohort, for the Pioneer uh, TechX cohort, because, because they're not getting any diversity in terms of any gender diversity on that on that cohort so and it's it's just trying to 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 spark those ideas in professional women probably engineers within the within the energy sector because that's obviously the sector that they're focusing on to to think well you you probably ha you might have an idea or you in in the course of your career you you might have seen a problem and and even talking to zoe this morning she says like, i can't believe anybody nobody else is doing this it's so it's so obvious. It's so it's such a simple idea. And Kate is such a brilliantly simple idea that you can understand immediately. Yet it's globally scalable. So I think it's just it's trying to spark those ideas. It's trying to give women the confidence to think, yeah, have a go. Just to show how how empowering and liberating it is to start your own company and to be to be in charge of your own destiny is is. I mean, it's this it's. There is no, there's nothing better. <laughs> there is nothing better than 
being being in control of your own of, of, of the direction that you're going in and not having to ask anybody for permission that you know whatever you want to do to a degree I obviously have to consult with my fellow directors when I have some crazy wacky ideas but yeah I, I think it's is it that it's just encouraging that idea those ideas and and I think I I read quite a lot of stuff and I'm I, I like to to, to watch all these programs and be involved in the elevators and the accelerators because because that's the way that's even if the ideas aren't going to be things that I'm going to do directly I, you know I'm never going to start a carbon capture business for example but it's just the way that people apply it or just I just love seeing or hearing stories of inspiration and thinking right what could I do that what does that spark in within me or within within the experience that I've had if I was going to start something what would it what would it be on the back of what I've just heard your story from your story so yeah it's just that that in the first instance I think the idea generation and then after that I do think there is there is like I said before there's a lot of resource and help and expertise and tools available to women who want to start a business but it's different sometimes it's difficult to find it's getting easier but you know it is sometimes it's you've got to and you've just got to ask for help um, to find it I mean, Zoe was again. Zoe was talking about stuff this morning. That stuff that I'd never heard of. That 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 apps and and different platforms. That was like, wow, yeah, that's that's really useful. And she's in a tech business, and I'm not necessarily in a tech business at the moment. Ooh. Looking looking to start my tech business. No, that's it. I'm I'm always looking, but I just want I like I want to I've got to develop an app. That's my aspiration. Yeah, that's great. After. Yeah, all these years, still still looking for the ideas for the next. Absolutely. Yeah. No, children, school run, school school activity app. That's what I want. Uber for kids. That's my app. I just can't work out how to make it a reality. Oh, don't tell too much. Do, do you want me to cut this out in case somebody takes your idea? <laughs> I haven't made it happen yet. Yeah, Uber for kids. Oh, brilliant. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you, Jude. Thank you so much for for joining the Scale Her Up podcast and telling your story and setting the sparks going in the listeners' heads about the things that they can do and how they can make a change or make a scale or get their business really, really motoring. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Lovely to speak to you, as always. Thanks for listening to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur's show. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please join our Facebook community at Scale Her Up. Please connect with me, Brenda Hector, on social media and drop me a message to let me know you're enjoying the podcasts. Or even better, pop a wee review on iTunes. I'm going to finish by reminding you, only one in three UK entrepreneurs are female. And men are five times more likely to scale their business to over one million in turnover than women. If we started and scaled our businesses to the same extent as men, it would add 250 billion to the UK economy and provide millions of jobs. Ladies, you can do it, and we're gonna make a massive difference.